Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me, where I'll be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come join me, won't you? My friends, it is October 19th, and tonight is going to be fun because our double feature tonight is Halloween from 1978 and Halloween 2 from 1981. This is the only time that I'll be talking about two movies in a franchise um, together. Um... I would have, but there are so many movies I loved. Choosing 62 is very hard. So, these two movies, uh, are, at least Halloween, the first one, is considered rightfully one of the greatest horror movies ever made, and it is. Uh, it was directed by John Carpenter, and the script was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill also produced this movie, and she went on to produce two of my other favorite movies of all time, Heathers and Ed Wood. Um, Deborah Hill does not get the credit she deserves uh, for the Halloween movies, because what Halloween became is really a melding of John Car Carpenter and Deborah Hill's childhoods. Um, Deborah Hill grew up in the town of Haddonfield, New Jersey, and the movie Halloween is set, of course, in Haddonfield, Illinois, uh, to sort of make it that Midwest every town USA. But a lot of the street names that are used in Halloween are from a town in Kentucky that John Carpenter grew up in, and... A lot of their childhood memories are built into the script for the first Halloween in 1978. Um, Deborah Hill also uh, had great experience as a babysitter uh, when she was growing up. So she wrote a lot of the, the women's dialogue in Halloween. And John Carpenter really con um, focused on the character of Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis and the construction of the town. So it really was a collaboration. It's not just John Carpenter's movie. This is very much Deborah Hill movies, uh, Deborah Hill's movie as well. And this w was John Carpenter's third movie, actually. Um, he didn't set out to become a horror director, but in the end it became what he is most known for, and justifiably so, because he's brilliant at it. The first Halloween in 1978 is regarded by many as the first slasher film. It's actually not, and the reason why it's not is really interesting and actually ties to how Halloween as a movie came to be. Uh, 
the first movie in what we would now consider the slasher, where there is a killer, usually masked or unseen, who is stalking people in an isolated location. Um, that first series, that first slasher movie really is Black Christmas, which was released in 1974, the same year as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Black Christmas uh, was a Canadian film, wasn't a huge hit in the U.S. when it was released, uh, but it was an award-winning film in Canada, and it is an amazing movie, um, and if I do as I'm debating on doing a sort of 12 Days of Terror uh, in December where I do 12 spooky Christmas movies. I might do Black Christmas. But Black Christmas is really interesting in that it introduces that point of view of the killer where you're seeing what the killer sees. Black Christmas is really innovative in other ways that I really can't say without spoiling it. And if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Uh, Black Christmas is streaming on Shudder. See, I'm cheating again. Uh, and the version on Shudder, you can watch the act, the just the movie, but Joe Bob Briggs, the famous horror host, actually did Black Christmas in a horror movie marathon that he did called Joe Bob's Red Christmas on the last drive-in. So on Shudder, I recommend you watch Black Christmas with his commentary. Um, also, Joe Bob Briggs has done Halloween. Uh, he did last Halloween season uh, an event on the last drive-in called Joe Bob's Halloween Hoot Nanny, where he hosted Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5. And I encourage you to watch them if you are a horror fan or are remotely interested in spooky things, even just in this month of October. Please subscribe to Shudder right now. Um, it's, I think, $5 or $5.99, and it is worth it. Um... So he also did Halloween and has much more interesting things to say than I could possibly dream of, but I'm going to do my best. So the genesis of Halloween, as I said, really begins with the movie Black Christmas, released in 1974. And Black Christmas was directed by Bob Clark. And Bob Clark and John Carpenter got to know each other. And John Carpenter had loved Black Christmas and asked Clark if he was going to do a sequel to it ever. And he said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do another horror movie. And John Carpenter said, well, if you did do a sequel, even though I know you're not, what would you do? And Bob Clark said, well, I think what I would do is that the killer escapes from a mental institution and goes back to his house and then starts killing people, and I'd call it Halloween. And that stuck with John Carpenter. Uh, and a couple years later, uh, around 1977, early 1978, John Carpenter was approached to direct a horror movie for a low-budget production company called Compass Pictures. 
And the only stipulation was that it would be called the Babysitter Murders and that it would be about babysitters being killed by a creepy masked killer. That, that was it. Other than that, John Carpenter could do whatever he wanted. So he thought about it, and he thought about that idea of a killer escaping from a mental institution, going back to the town, to his hometown, to his house where murders had previously happened, and killing would start again, and with the title being Halloween. And with bringing in uh, Deborah Hill as producer and co-writer, um, that really crystallized the whole idea with that thought of the babysitters being murdered. And that is how Halloween came to be. Um, Halloween, like I think many of the great scary movies that are set explicitly on that holiday, succeeds because it reproduces so vividly the experience of Halloween. You know, the the leaves of fall all over the ground, you know, the pumpkins and carving the pumpkins into a jack-o'-lantern and Halloween parties and scary old movies being shown on TV. You know, all those things. It does so, so well. And one of the wonderful things, and it's one of the numerous things in this movie that shows John Carpenter's absolute brilliance as a director, is that the Halloween that happens in Haddonfield in 1978 in this movie is all an illusion. This movie was filmed in the spring. It was not fall. It was sunny and beautiful out. So it's really remarkable, especially on a limited budget. What they were able to do in the first sort of third of this movie that's set in daylight, in convincing you that this is a small Midwestern town on Halloween in the fall with all the leaves and all the stuff when this movie was actually filmed in the spring in a small town in Pasadena in California. Um, it's totally fake. But then the 75% of this movie after that beginning takes place at night, which is much, much easier to uh, make believe that it is a season that it was definitely not when this was filmed. Um... John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wrote the screenplay for this movie in about 10 days. And for the concept of this movie, and I think part of what makes it so scary, uh, I think was really said very well by Deborah Hill. And I'm just going to read a quote from her. Uh, she said that for Halloween... The idea was that you couldn't kill evil, and that was how we came about the story. We went back to the old idea of Samhain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with a story about the most evil kid who ever lived. 
And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret of someone who once lived there, and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work. And I think that is absolutely true. Um... John Carpenter actually visited a mental hospital uh, right before he and Deborah Hill wrote this script, and he was haunted by this one kid, uh, this boy, uh, who was schizophrenic, and he just had this blank stare where you looked into his wide-open eyes and there was nothing behind them. And that really comes up in Halloween uh, when Dr. Loomis says, I met this six-year-old with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I realized what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. And I think that is why the character of Michael Myers is so terrifying because in Halloween, there is no motive. In the first scene in this movie, you see this little kid in a clown Halloween costume stab his own sis naked sister to death and then is discovered outside still holding the bloody knife he killed her with. And the idea that it's just this blank malevolence. And the thing I love about the Halloween movies with the character of Michael Myers is that in the end credits of all these films, he is never credited as Michael Myers. He is credited as The Shape. And I think that's really fucking scary. Um, and it and an advantage the shape has over other uh, slasher villains that were to come subsequently. So talking a bit, uh, I can't believe I've gone this long without talking about another thing that makes Halloween work so well, and that is the score by John Carpenter, and I'm just going to Put on the main theme while I talk about the great, some of the great actors in this movie. Like the Jaws theme, John Carpenter's theme for Halloween is actually very simple, but enormously effective. And I think this is one of those movies where the sound design provides so much of the terror. Um, talking a little bit about the cast of Halloween, playing the main role of Laurie Strode is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the daughter of Janet Lee, who is most famous for playing the role of Marion Crane in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho 18 years previously 
1960. Another film that is said to be, that is definitely a forerunner of the modern slasher genre. Uh, so it's really delightful that Jamie Lee Curtis uh, made her debut in Halloween. And she's really terrific as Laurie Strode. She is that girl, that person, really, that I think most people can relate to because she's not the popular kid. She's not an outcast, necessarily. But she is not like the others. She is different from her friends. She has a, an inner life that is completely different from all of the rest of the people she interacts with. And she is amazing in this movie. She is a terrific survi survivor. And I am so glad that she has had the career that she has because Jamie Lee Curtis is a great actor. Uh, and this is the first time she got to show what she could do. Also in this movie, um, you have Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis. Sam Loomis is the name of the character of uh, Janet Lee as Marion Crane. Uh, that's her boyfriend in Psycho, is Sam Loomis, played by the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, the lead in Halloween. Um, the role of Sam Loomis, uh, the doctor, the psychiatrist, who has been looking after this evil child, Michael Myers, as he has grown into adulthood in the asylum. Uh, it's played by Donald Pleasance, who's perhaps most famous before the Halloween movies for playing uh, the villain Blofeld in uh, the James Bond films. Uh, but John Carpenter and Deborah Hill originally really wanted horror legend Christopher Lee to play Dr. Sam Loomis. But this was a very low-budget movie made by people who, you know, did not have the pedigree that Christopher Lee was used to at the time, having been a Hammer horror film star uh, for 20 years at the point Halloween was made. Uh, so he turned it down, and Christopher Lee later met John Carpenter in person and told him that turning down the role of Dr. Loomis in Halloween was the single biggest regret that he had in his entire acting career. Donald Pleasance, however, is amazing as Dr. Loomis. And for folks who have seen the later Halloween movies, it's kind of really interesting how restrained Donald Pleasance's performance is as Dr. Loomis in the original Halloween um, regard, in regards to the, you know, scenery-chewing nutcase he would very soon become in the subsequent films. Um, to great effect. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. Um, but his work in Halloween is is very, very subtle. Um, and he is really what gives you the gravitas um, for Michael Myers. The simplicity of which he talks about this evil child, this, this blank malevolence, um, is incredibly chilling and just make it, it makes you believe he makes you believe in why you should fear this killer that is on the loose in this small town um 
I also want to mention in the cast, we have PJ Souls as Linda. And PJ Souls, God bless her, is basically playing the exact same character that she played in Brian De Palma's Carrie two years earlier in 1976, with almost the exact kind of same wardrobe. And I'm not even mad about it. She's great. Um, I'm glad she's still doing the horror conventions. PJ Souls is one of those delights of the of the 70s and 80s horror um, f film world. Uh, Halloween is an exquisitely directed movie. The, the script is great. The actors are great. But the reason why Halloween works is because John Carpenter is a tremendously skilled director. He understood so much better than most of the directors who made horror movies during this period what dread was, what terror was, what creating atmosphere and anticipation, how sometimes the bad thing is just suddenly there and then it's suddenly gone. Um, and Halloween is... For being called the first slasher movie, even though it's not, um, one of the first, uh, it is not a movie that is bloody or gory at all. There is very, very little blood in the original Halloween of 1978. Um, very similar to Texas Chainsaw and Black Christmas as well. Uh, the violence is suggested, like, you very rarely see the knife going in, um, or grotesque, thi or people being killed in grotesque ways. It's not like that. It's much more human, um, which I think makes it much more disturbing in so many ways. One thing that I do think Halloween does deserve credit for, for inventing whole cloth, is the horror movie, especially slasher movie trope, that if you have sex, you're going to die by the hands of the psycho killer. Um, I don't think that really existed before this movie. I think Halloween created that trope, which has been replicated hundreds, if not probably thousands of times since. It is... An extraordinary movie. It really is remarkable in its restraint. And because of its restraint and the really crystal clear and true-to-real-life vision of John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, Halloween becomes something really terrifying. You know, when you're a kid and... You're scared of the boogeyman. You learn to be scared of the boogeyman. And the adults always tell you, oh, the boogeyman's not real. It's just your imagination. And then at the end of this film, one character asks another, was it the boogeyman? And the other character answers, yes, it was. And it's two adults that are saying that, saying that the boogeyman is real. 
And that's a really lovely primal terror that I think Halloween taps into. So watch it now, and then we're gonna come back and continue the shape's initial reign of terror with Halloween 2. This is some of John Carpenter's music for Halloween 2, released in 1981. Like the first movie, written and directed by John Carpenter, but uh, written uh, by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, but directed by Rick Rosenthal. So, same writers as the original Halloween, same producers as the original Halloween, but not directed by John Carpenter. And I think that's one of the downfalls of this movie, but I think it is still a lot of fun in that Halloween 2, although it was made three years later, uh, released in 1981, it continues from the first Halloween, from the moment that movie ended, depicting the rest of the shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers' reign of terror through Haddonfield, Illinois, with a much, much higher body count than the first film. And there's a lot of fun to be had here, so I do recommend it. So, as much as I really love it, I think a big problem with Halloween 2 is that it came a, just a little bit too late. You know, the original Halloween was released in 1978, and I think if Halloween 2 had been released and or made and released in 1979 or 1980, it would have been had a bigger impact than it did. Um... But John Carpenter and Deborah Hill for years resisted the idea of doing a sequel to Halloween, which I understand. Halloween is kind of a perfect movie. It honestly really is. Um, but, you know, uh, after Halloween was released in 1978, then you have, let's say, Friday the 13th, the first one released in 1980, um, which unleashed unleashed um, the horrors of Camp Crystal Lake into the world. And you had a lot of other horror slasher movies done in that time. So by the time John Carpenter and Deborah Hill got together a script for Halloween 2 and made it, there had been a lot of other horror movies that had taken up that mantle, and I feel like this movie kind of got ignored, which is a bit of a shame. Um, the script for Halloween 2, 
underwent many different versions. Um, there was a version that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wrote that was set in like a high-rise apartment building, which sounds kind of fascinating. There's info about it on the internet. Um, but what they eventually landed on is that Halloween 2 would be a direct continuation of the first movie set on the same night where The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, would continue his reign of terror throughout Haddonfield. Um, and the bulk of this movie, Halloween 2, is set inside a hospital, which I think is a really great choice. Um, and it's a... Because, uh, of course, after the first movie, Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis needs to go to a hospital. She's got lots of injuries and a lot of, you know, post-traumatic stress to deal with. Um, so she's sent to the hospital. So the shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, gradually makes his way towards this hospital, towards Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And... It's a really creepy hospital. It's eerily deserted. It's very dimly lit. I mean, that just might have been the 80s. I don't know. Um, I was born in 85. Um, so it, uh, it's kind of within my memory that this could have been true. Um, and I think the kills in this movie in the hospital are really interesting and really cleverly devised. Uh, but the problem is they don't, it's all new characters that we don't really care about. You know, it really is taking up that slasher mantle of, you know, characters are introduced just so we can see them killed in really cool, interesting ways. Um, which, you know, is great in and of itself. I, I love me a slasher movie. Um... But it's a bit of a letdown after the first Halloween where you honestly do care about all those characters. At least I do in my experience. You know, so when they die, it is kind of sad. Um, but in Halloween 2, another thing I think they got wrong is that Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode is really sidelined and kind of catatonic for almost the entire movie until nearly the end. Um, I think that's a bit of a shame. I understand why they did it, but I still kind of regret it. But uh, other than Jamie Lee Curtis, you have returning all the survivors of the previous Halloween, which include Charles Cyphers as Sheriff Lee Brackett, whose daughter Annie was killed in the first Halloween. And of course, you have Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis to provide that continuity. Um, I think Halloween 2 is a really fun movie to watch especially as a double feature with the original Halloween, uh, because unlike really any other slasher franchise, it continues 
from the end of the first movie. So together, Halloween and Halloween 2 constitute the first reign of terror of the shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers. Um, so watch it. Real quick, I'm going to talk about the rest of the Halloween franchise because it's interesting. So, John Carpenter had the idea, after Halloween 2, to use the Halloween movie brand to create an anthology series of movies where every Halloween a new movie would be released with a different kind of scary theme that Michael Myers was done after Halloween 2. So, next came Halloween uh, Halloween three, the sea, uh, Halloween three season of the witch, which is actually a great movie. And there are rumors Joe Bob Briggs is going to do it on his Halloween special coming up on f this Friday, the 23rd. Um, I can't wait to find out. Um, it's a really great movie. But it was a total failure at the box office. If it had been called just Season of the Witch, I think it would have been really successful. But the fact that it was presented as the third Halloween movie, people were expecting The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, and they did not get that, and they were pissed off. And I understand. That's not an unreasonable opinion. But... That's a great movie, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So then you have, a couple of years later in the 80s, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. And I actually think Halloween 4 is an incredible movie. Um, I think it is the best Halloween movie other than the first one. It's definitely better than Halloween 2. Halloween 4, again, really gets that Halloween atmosphere right and finds a way to make uh, the shape Michael Myers terrifying and also features a really wonderful uh, performance by then-child actor Danielle Harris. So Halloween 4, tremendous movie. Again, Joe Bob Briggs does it on his Halloween Hoot Nanny available on Shudder. Uh, following that, he had Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, which, kind of like Halloween 2, was a direct sequel to Halloween 4 with all the same characters that were still alive. It's not a great movie. Um, it's, it's pretty bad, but it's still worth watching. Um, it's fun. Uh, but then, when we get into the 90s, uh, you have Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is absolute shit. It is a terrible movie. However, I think anyone who wants to watch the Halloween movies needs to watch Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, at least once. Because, for the only reason, and it's a damn good reason is that it is the final performance on screen of Daniel Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis, by now in full-on bunkers, crazy chewing the scenery mode. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I love Daniel Pleasance chewing the scenery. It's really delightful to watch. 
That is the only reason to watch Halloween 6. Other than that, it's fucking awful. Um, Paul Rudd's in it. That, that, that's kind of another justifiable reason. But then, uh, 1998, 20 years later from the first movie released in 1978, you have Halloween H2O, uh, which again starred Jamie Lee Curtis. And this movie ignored everything that had happened uh, between Halloween 2 and Halloween H2O, which is a shame for Daniel Harris, um, because I think Daniel Harris gives a really great performance in this mythology of Haddonfield. But H2O is all about 20 years later, Laurie Strode dealing with Michael Myers again, who is revealed in Halloween 2 to be her brother, which I think might have been the the thing that in a way ruined this franchise. Because I think the thing that makes the first Halloween so scary and so successful is that it is this just mindless evil killing machine. And in Halloween 2, they introduce the idea that it's all because Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, is Michael Myers' other sister, and he has to kill her for reasons. Um, but in H2O, they bring that back, and Jamie Lee Curtis is really wonderful in Halloween H2O. Um, it is a very 90s movie, very sort of that uh, post-scream self-referential thing that was going on for a time um, before found footage took over again with Paranormal Activity. Uh, but that's a tale for another night. Um, and it has a really satisfying ending where Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode finally confronts her maniacal, insane killer brother um, just one-on-one. -on -one. Super satisfying. The problem is, after that, they made a movie called Halloween Resurrection, which is an even bigger piece of shit than Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. You should not watch this movie. I like to pretend it did not exist, because they kill off Laurie Strode in the opening scene, and it's just bullshit, and I just... The only comfort I take from Halloween Resurrection is that I hope, and I'm pretty sure Jamie Lee Curtis was paid millions of dollars just to do that one scene. Um, that's the only justification I can imagine. Then Rob Zombie made two Halloween movies. Uh, Rob Zombie made his own Halloween and then his own Halloween 2. I can take or leave them. Uh, you might like them. I personally do not like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker. Um, I don't like the way he uses violence. It's just not a personal preference. So his Halloween movies, I'm kind of ambivalent about. But then in 2018, 40 years later, there was another movie made 
another movie just called Halloween that John Carpenter was involved with and that starred Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode 40 years later. And the 2018 Halloween is a direct sequel to the original movie. So it pretends that all the movies between the first movie and this one 40 years later did not exist. And I think that's the big problem I have with the Halloween franchise, is that it's kind of schizophrenic in that way, in that it keeps creating different realities where large portions of the movies you've watched didn't happen. And if the movies that you made were all good, you wouldn't have to do that. Um, just saying. But The Halloween Maiden 2018, I think, is an extraordinarily good sequel. And I'd even be on board with deleting Halloween 2 and everything else from the canon uh, to have Halloween 2018 to be the sequel to Halloween 1978. And it's chiefly because of Jamie Lee Curtis's performance in that movie, where she plays a woman who, after 40 years, is still so haunted by being a survivor of this night of terror on October 31st. So, that is my brief... Um, opinions on the Hall- on all the Halloween movies. You should just just watch them all. If you haven't, you should watch them all at least once. They're great fun, uh, and you can develop your own opinions about them. There are two more movies coming that have already been filmed in this new Halloween trilogy that was started in 2018. Um, they're called Halloween Kills, which was going to be released right now in 2020, but, you know, the world, all this happened. Um, so it's been delayed a year, but, uh, following that, we're going to get Halloween Ends, and I'm honestly really excited for both of those two movies, because I think John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's original conception of The Shape the boogeyman stalking people on Halloween night is still one of the greatest achievements in horror history, and one that it is perfect to enjoy right now in the Halloween season. Thank you for joining me for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me. Tomorrow night, we're going to have a Night of the Dead, where we watch Phantasm from 1979, and then the remake of Night of the Living Dead from 1990. Until then, happy Halloween, my friends.